at 100%. Hits this shot in the woods. He's in jail, and we find his ball. And he's just like, I'm just going to I'm gonna go up and down from here. And what am I going to say? No, you're not. So I walk away going, no, you're not. And Brett puts it about a foot away. On the very next hole, he's in the friggin' jailhouse, like Tulane and Broad. There's a big tree branch in front. There's like a three-foot hole he could go through if he were a professional golfer. I'm like, Brett, you might want to hit it out here and then go for the green. Nah, I'm just going to go through this little three-foot hole. And I'm like, no, you're not. Right through the three-foot hole, puts it about a foot away. Oh, boy. You can't even celebrate it too much because you don't want to get the guy out of the zone. But he was in a friggin' zone. What's that, Josh? I said, did he school you this week, Corey? Oh, no, I kicked Brett's ass. (laughs) Come on. Brett Martell joins us from the Associated Press. What's up, Brett? (laughs) Brett, are you there? Uh Yeah, hey, man. Did did my golf story Uh, run you off? uh, No, I heard it all. Sorry, just a little technical issue. But uh, the thing about golf is I'm capable of making those shots, but I, I, I have trouble stringing them together which is the reason I was in trouble in the first place. So, uh, yeah, I usually get scored by Corey Johnson. I'll just put that on the record. That's not true. Wow. We're not the same. <laughs> no, we're not. That's not true. Brett and I are, like, probably the exact same handicap. We suck at golf. <laughs> That's our handicap. <laughs> wow. No. Brett and I, I think if we play well, we shoot, like, 85, maybe 83, 84 if we play really well. And Brett and I can shoot 95 in a millisecond. Uh, I had an 86 this morning with seven pars and... A triple bogey and two doubles. I know. The triples and doubles, like, how does that even happen? You know? know. Hitting trees, Corey. That's how it happens. Yep. Yep. All right, Brett. No one gives a crap about your golf game or my golf game. They do care about the Saints draft. Brett, I'm trying to be fair and objective about it. I don't know these players that they drafted. I can't sit here and give you a grade. But I do like consensus stuff. And nationally, the Saints draft is not impressing. I'm not saying they're right. I'm just saying from whatever that's worth, nationally, the Saints have a lackluster at best draft. I've seen it near the bottom of a lot of folks grading all NFL teams. Your thoughts? I don't, you know, I don't know how high the 2006 draft, I mean, other than Reggie Bush, would have rated, um, you know. And then, I mean, Reggie didn't even turn out to be the most productive player there. Um, when you think about it, you know, I mean, a lot of people didn't know about Jari Evans, you know, in the middle rounds out of uh, out of Bloomsburg, and they certainly didn't know about Marcus Colston out of Hofstra, which doesn't even have a football team anymore. So I just, I think I've got enough experience to know that it would be, I think, like you're saying, you don't really want to prejudge it. We don't know a lot about these guys, but that's another reason why we can't, you know, we have to we have to be even-handed. We we don't want to overplay how good they could be just because the Saints say they are. But we don't want to uh, underplay their potential to be good pros considering the track record of the Saints scouting department lately under Jeff Ireland. So I think it's, you know, it's going to be a wait-and-see mode, but certainly the, the, the draft did not really make a splash. You know, it was among the more ho-hum kind of drafts while it was going on that I can remember. Um, so we're just going to have to see if the position, you know, they did in the first three rounds, they all, they, they did end up getting like positions of need, but maybe not in the order you would have expected. You would have expected them to get a cornerback first and then maybe, you know, uh, then maybe a linebacker and defensive end, um, or a defensive end and a linebacker. Uh, but 
you know, if those guys turn out to be decent players, then it'll have been a productive draft. I mean, I think that just in general, this is a tricky offseason for them. Yeah, the Vegas boys, the over-unders, nine and a half. There are 10 or 11 teams in the NFL that have a higher over-under. So Vegas has the Saints going from, say, the top of the first tier to maybe the bottom of the first or the top of a second tier in the NFL, we could say. Um, the, the team got gutted, Brett. I mean, I'm not going to say LSU type of gutting from that national championship team, but pretty damn close. I mean, you lose Drew Brees, the single greatest player arguably to ever suit up for the team, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Then you lose some key starters on defense, on the defensive line. I mean, that you could argue the D-line is gutted. And, uh, and then you lose a lot of pseudo-starters and major contributors. I mean, the Saints got pseudo-gutted. I, I think nine and a half is because of Sean Payton. There's still a lot of great players on the team, the winning attitude, the locker room. But this is a team that's going down, according to Vegas. Yeah, going down, but I guess there's 14 teams that make the playoffs now. So they're still kind of, Vegas isn't really counting them out of, as, uh, you know, of contending for a postseason burst. That's right. They're just not really, they're just not really calling them like a, you know, a, a, a one or two seed like they were last year, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, Instead uh, of a top really playoff team or a middle playoff team, they've got them as a tail end playoff team. Right. And every now and then those teams make a run. Um, I mean, the good news is, you know, you want to have meaningful games in December. As a fan, you know, there's one team out of 32 that wins the Super Bowl, right? Unless, unless you're a Patriots fan for the last 15 years or whatever it was. You know, you, can't, you don't really have a reasonable expectation of your team making the Super Bowl every other year and winning half of those. But, um, you know, you want to have meaningful games in December and maybe get into the playoffs and maybe be healthy and playing well at the right time and make a run, you know, and get to a conference championship and maybe get into a super, maybe be a Cinderella story that goes all the way, you know. Uh, and at least you feel like going into this offseason, the Saints, if things go right, could be that. So there's that there's all there's always an element of hope going into the season, even though you know realistically, you know, it's probably not their year. Another Martell Monday. Brett Martell's with us for a few minutes. Brett, what, about ten games left, eleven games left for the Pels? They're what, three back? That funnels. So they have eight ga- right, they have eight games left. And okay. but you know, tonight and tomorrow night, their season the end of the season can get a lot more interesting or a lot less interesting. If they sweep these two games against Golden State, then they're one game behind Golden State with six to go, and they play wow. Golden State one more time. But wow. if they just split them, right? Now, they're both at home tonight and tomorrow at the Smoothie King Center. And, I, you know, I mean, and both, are against, oh, both are against Golden State. Right. So wow. they've got back-to-back games at home against Golden State. Just wow. work of the pandemic schedule, kind of, you know? Wow. And, um... And there were several other back-to-backs that teams around the league had like this, you know, where they would play teams twice in a row, sometimes twice in three days, sometimes twice in two days. Wow. And um, just because of the scheduling this year and trying to not have teams have to travel as much across the country, for example, during a pandemic. So, you know, you're looking at a West Coast team coming to New Orleans, and they're like, oh, let's just knock both games out in one trip, you know? With arguably um, the MVP, too. It's going to be tough. Right. 
So, but they're, you know, they've been injured and they're kind of, you know, hanging around the ninth and tenth seed, three games in front of the Pelicans, eight games to go. But if the Pelicans sweep these two games at home against them, yeah, and the way Zion's been playing lately, you think there's a chance, especially the Warriors have been inconsistent, then all of a sudden you have a very interesting final six games. Can they catch yeah, you them? You do. No. Yeah, yeah, can they right, make up one right? game in six? But yeah, you're right. Split them, if they just split them, yeah. There's still three back. There's still three back with six to go. That's less interesting, right? Because no, that's, my, that's, that's a lot closer than I thought. I missed that. Yeah. But, nice. well, the thing is, though, if they split them, then you would have to basically run run the table your last six games and hope that the team in front of you goes 500. No, it's, I don't know. It's and, not then you get, and then you get a play-in, a two out of three play-in? Yeah, where if you're on the ninth or tenth seed, you have to win two straight on the road. To, to advance to the regular eight seed playoffs. Yeah, to become the eight so, seed. Gotcha. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see how they right. do. If they split these games, I think they're pretty much out of it. But if they sweep them, then, you know, you really got to pay attention. Hey, Brett, Blue Boy wants to know where he can read your stuff online. Yeah, APnews.com or the AP uh, News um, app on the smartphone. Brett, always a pleasure, brother. See you soon. All right, you know, Corey, have a good week. That's Brett Martell from the Associated Press.